Section 41 of Editorials of Vidal Magazine, Volume 66. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. It is clear that any covenant of peace among nations will depend for its validity upon the activity of its supporters in all countries in taking advantage of the opportunity offered for international cooperation to remove the causes of war. No one need be told today that of these causes, armament and military training are two of the most immediate. It is not too much to say that every country may test its will to end war by its readiness to disarm, and the weakness of this will is revealed by the feeble and uncertain character of the provisions of the covenant in this matter. There is all the more reason, therefore, that believers in international peace should manifest their faith by national action. The principles recognized by the covenant of armament graduated according to the geographical circumstances of the contracting parties. Clearly the part is suggested to the United States of leading the way in showing confidence in reason and goodwill, instead of bayonets and ironclads. And the part should not be a difficult one. The people of the United States are normally pacific, and they have had enough experience of the spiritual ravages of war to recognize the symptoms of the disease. They have never built the system of general military service into their social structure, or crowned the edifice with a military caste. The result of the recent mobilization seems on the whole to have given the people a pronounced distaste for military experience, and this distaste is apparently strongest among those who participated most actively in that experience. At the same time, it is clear that no merely passive attitude on the part of a people will stand against powerful forces working to subvert it, and a democratically organized people is peculiarly liable to attack by such force through the institution of representative government. It seems probable that the issue of universal military service will appear well to the front in the next presidential campaign, and meanwhile the sponsors for it are active in the various states. In these, the method is to make military training a part of the high school course, and the question thus becomes an educational one. A law to this effect in New York, hastily conceived and irregularly enforced, is now undergoing scrutiny as to its educational value. Similar bills are pending in the legislatures of Pennsylvania, Missouri, and California. In Oregon, such a bill has failed. In New Jersey, the adverse report of the Legislative Committee on Military Drill in high schools has probably proved decisive. The organizations which, for one purpose or another, are seeking to carry such bills in the several states as the basis of a plan of national military service have placed the question squarely on educational grounds. The Security League sent its most brilliant orator to the last meeting of the National Education Association to clamor for its endorsement. It is altogether proper that the opinion of teachers should be decisive on this phase of the matter. If teachers have little influence with local authorities in which control of education is specifically vested, at least they have the power of organized citizens to secure political action which shall be representative of the community and of themselves in a matter on which they have a supreme right to be heard. End of section 41